What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of TOJ Live. I'm your host, Stephen Russo. Back with a first and forever. Again, I feel like we're just done with the first and tens because the issues are so many that uh, I don't think I can limit myself to just 10. So I'm back with a first and forever, just um, really more of a therapy episode for you guys. Uh, I think you know, I was texting back and forth with uh, my co-host, Steven Zance, who who said he's apathetic. And that's, uh, I think, the perfect way to put it. This is as dejected um, and really hopeless as I've been as a Jets fan. And I think probably a lot of you guys out there agree. Um, so here we are. I mean, misery loves company. So I'm going to kind of talk through it and uh, and really have this be more of a a feelings episode because that's as bad as it's gotten here in Jets land. And, and being a fan of this team has gotten really hard to the point where it feels like a burden to watch them on Sundays. And I know I'm starting to get mad um, really at everything, but at, at just uh, the way that things have gone, the the way the last 13 years have gone. And I find myself extra annoyed just kind of at everything thinking that, you know, it's like um, how come they don't care as much as I do. And I know the answer to that. I know they do. And I know they're trying and that's, it's, it's unfair to say, but it's to the point where, you know, I'm getting emails from the jet shop on cyber Monday deals. And I'm like, how dare you even ask me to buy more uh, apparel or jerseys or whatever. When, when you guys are this bad, I've invested enough of my time, enough of my money uh, into this team. And, and every Sunday you just let me down. And it's like, what more do you want from me? I mean, every season filled with hope, you go to the Jets. I, I know I, I make it a point to try to go to Jets camp every year. I, I, I haven't been to a game, uh, sadly, since 08. But really, the reason is because of that. Because, you know, for me to take, you know, obviously myself, I would want to take at least my son, Jack, probably the entire family. You know, you, you probably want to spend the night down there. You're looking at two, three thousand bucks. And imagine if I went to if I if I brought myself from central New York down to MetLife for that game uh, to see a 34 to 13 bludgeoning to see the hell mary whatever we want to call it fail mary hell mary whatever the hell that was i'd just be pissed off and i would have just drowned you know two thousand three thousand bucks for my family just to be miserable it's like it 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 really and i feel for the fans that that truly invest their time and money and season tickets or just even single game tickets to go to this it's really just bad and so you know again here i am i'm going to talk through my feelings and hopefully it provides you this kind of jets therapy episode so like I said, misery loves company. I'm going to talk through it. I'm going to hit on some, you know, uh, some of the bigger things and, and where do we go from here? And then um, Zance and I should be back tomorrow night to talk a, a little more about the Dolphins game, just the season in general, where they go from here. Um, and we'll try to, you know, go a little bit on the Falcons game too, uh, if there is anything to expect there. But let's talk about this Dolphins game briefly. I mean, you know, the offense, again, just can't get anything going. Uh, Tim Boyle didn't provide any sort of spark. Um, Hackett still calling plays. I just, I feel like it truly is the definition of insanity. I don't know what they're expecting to happen running the same things over and over again um, with this the same result. The, the offense lacks ingenuity. It lacks imagination. They're not doing any trick plays. They're not running any pre-snap motion. They're not doing anybody any favors. They are just lining up and letting the defense see what's coming. And I think that's part of it is that defenses have just figured it out. The NFL is a quick learning league where something that works one week, there's already tape out on it and they're going to figure it out and they're going to be able to stop it. So if you're not 
progressing and learning and moving forward, then you're absolutely going backwards and you can't expect the same things to work week in and week out. And honestly, the Jets, nothing has worked since I don't even know when the Denver game, maybe. And even that was, you know, that wasn't the greatest offensive performance. I mean, the Jets couldn't get the ball in the end zone. So really they haven't had a week where they've put it together. And and honestly, I mean, I've said this before too, where us as Jets fans, and I think the Jets staff and players themselves were kind of clinging to hope that like this, this, that Kansas city game was the outlier and that that was the truth of what this offense really is and can be when in reality they scored 18 points. That's what they did. That that was their highest offensive output was 18 points. That's the, the thing that we're clinging to hope for was 18 points against Kansas City, where they got down 17 nothing and had to come back, and Zach looked like a you know, decent to good quarterback for two and a half quarters. So this Dolphins game, the offense comes out just inept. The defense does everything they can to keep themselves in it. We get a pick six before the half on a nice play by Brandon Eccles. To make it 10 to six, Greg Zerline misses a field goal because he doesn't, you know, we, we know the Jets can't see a seven on the scoreboard. So he's like, well, that feels weird. So I'll just, I'll miss this extra point. And somehow miraculously again, Tua throws another pick right before the half where DJ Reed finally gets his first one, which is, which is great. So you think the Jets have momentum for maybe something now, now me, you know, as doom and gloom as I've been, I try to be the forever optimist here, but as doom and gloom as I've been, um, you know, when the Jets got the pick six, you're still thinking, okay, well, they're down 10 to six. I don't see any way that the Jets offense can get anything going and score points to actually win this game. But either way, we're here. We have a little bit of hope. That's one way to get in the end zone. Great. So they get the pick from DJ Reed and they try to throw the Hail Mary and sure as shit, it gets picked run back 98 yards by Javon Holland. And here we are. Jets are down 17, six. So two picks before the half in the last two minutes of the half. And somehow they're down 11 points as opposed to 10, um, which they were, you know, at 10, nothing before the pick six, which only the jets can do. And you think about these only the jets moments. It's like this hell Mary, the butt fumble. I just saw, I think yesterday was the anniversary of the Dan Marino fake spike game. I remember watching that game with my dad and he was screaming that that was illegal. Uh, and, uh, you know, me as a, what, 10-year-old, 9-year-old, 10-year-old kid at that time, I think. Uh, no, it would have been 9. That was 94. You know, I, I, I believed it. For the longest time, I thought a fake spike was illegal, you know, because <laughs> we, nobody had ever seen it. And, you know, it's just these things. They, they only happen to the Jets. They, they really do. And you, you start to really feel that way. And it's like that, that would happen. Um, for a team that can't find the end zone, for a team that can't uh, get first downs, for a team that continues to shoot themselves in the foot, this would happen where their championship caliber defense um, that is certainly top three in the league does everything it can to keep this team in a game that they probably have no business being in. And they get them a pick six, they get them another pick. And sure enough, the offense gives away that point, those points. And, and then one more. Um, it just, you know, I, you're at a loss for words. You really don't know what else to say. And, and from there, you know, the, the wheels fall off and um, the Dolphins were just too much for the Jets to handle. The Jets offense still can't get anything going. You know, you root for for some garbage time touches for Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson. You feel good about Garrett getting in the end zone again. Good for him. You hope that's kind of giving him uh, some cling, you know, giving him the ability to cling on to some hope. Um, but really, it, it. I think in general, when I think back on this season,
I apologize. I think I had some technical difficulties there, but uh, so what I was saying was, I think that as you um, think back on this season, it really feels like the season was over the second that Zach stepped out of bounds against the Raiders. And then CJ Uzama followed that up with a holding penalty that negated the Brees Hall touchdown. If either of those two things didn't happen, I think the Jets win that Raiders game going away. And I think that may provide them the momentum that they needed to at least be decent to bad on offense, not historically bad, but decent. We'll say mediocre to, you know, bottom five to seven offenses in the league. And, you know, I'll credit Will Parkinson. He said, it's kind of like, uh, you know, it was like a, a, a shooter in basketball that just needs to see one drop. It gets in a slump or a hitter in baseball. He's, you know, old for his last 25. You just need to see a seeing eye single go through. And maybe that, that starts to, you know, spurn getting back in the swing of things. And maybe that's what it was like for the Jets. But after that Raiders game, it was just one of those things where it felt like they had it there. And if they had gotten that, the doors would have been blown wide open. They would have gotten on a roll. And maybe those other games would have gone a little differently. I'm not saying they would have beat Buffalo or even beat Miami, but maybe it would have looked differently. It would have given you a fighting chance. And since that moment, everything has just gone downhill and they haven't been able to recuperate. And it just feels like the season has hinged on those two plays that were just so indicative of the way that the season has gone, where Zach gets in the end zone, steps out by a millimeter, no fault of his. The Uzama hold still will get me. There's no reason to even do that. If at the very least you don't hold Max Crosby makes a stop, so what? You're still second and goal from the one. But for whatever reason, he did hold. He didn't need to. And sure enough, then Jets get pushed back. Whatever it was, run, 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 pass, and they don't get in the end zone. When I think back on this season, um, I think this, you know, I said it at the start, this is really the worst season that I can remember. When you couple the hope that you had with Aaron Rodgers coming, all the positive vibes from the spring, summer training camp felt like everything was going the right way. Aaron Rodgers at the Rangers games, Aaron Rodgers at the Knicks games, going with the young guys, going with Garrett, going with Brees, just felt like everything was kind of going our way and nothing could bring us down. And sure enough, four snaps in, and Rodgers is done. Now, when you couple that Rodgers injury with the rest of the injuries, I mean, the Jets are down four of their five starting offensive linemen from the first game. Um, you couple it with AVT going down for the year, Makai Becton being dinged up, Connor McGovern having the, you know, his, I think he broke his kneecap, right? Um, all of these things, you know, it's obviously a lot to overcome. Um, you mix that with Nicole Hardman being not used and getting traded. You mix that with Alan Lazard being a complete flop on offense, the Corey Davis retirement, not replacing him. And obviously the lack of a plan for a number two quarterback behind Aaron Rodgers. the, all of these things combined. 
and still the Jets kind of they, they still gave you hope through the first six, seven weeks, seven games, right? They they were three and three and they they miraculously win that Giants game, which was ugly. And you know, at that time, you thought that this that that Giants game was just a, a one-off, and you're like, okay, well, you're glad to escape with that. That's a game we probably shouldn't have won. Hey, you chalk it up in the wind column, you move on. When in reality, you you look back on that and you're like, okay, well, that was more of the average of what we're going to see from the Jets, uh, at least offensively. Um, from here on out and maybe that game wasn't an outlier maybe that's more of the truth so you factor all those things in and, and this is really the worst season that I can remember it's as as bad as I felt I think other seasons do come to mind 2016 is one that I think on the back of 2015 I had hope for 16 I know the the Ryan Fitzpatrick deal was late to happen but I was still a believer in in Fitzpatrick. I thought that he could kind of, I didn't think he could duplicate what he did in 2015, but I thought he at least gave them a fighting chance. And when you talk about still having Bilal Powell back and Chris Ivory and Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker, I thought they could have done, um, you know, some of those things to be able to at least, uh, have some success in 2016. I think back to 2012 uh, as well. That's another one where coming off a disappointing 2011 or I'm sorry, 2011 season that um, you felt good about. I mean, the Jets were eight and five in that 11 season and then faltered down the stretch, but you still felt good. You had Sanchez, you know, you had Santonio, they got re they still had Revis. They started off hot. They beat, but they creamed Buffalo at the start of the season. And, you know, you, they gave you hope. I think they scored, they won like 48 to 21 or something like that. 48 to 28 in that, in that first game, Revis was getting a pick. He was, uh, you know, defensive player of the year caliber up until he got hurt against Miami. And then that's, that's where you go to see, you know, Revis's season is over. The the team goes down the, down the tubes. And, and honestly, the offense looks disgusting and can't move the ball. And I think that was the year with the infamous uh, game against the Cardinals where Mark Sanchez was benched for Greg McElroy and somehow they won like seven to three, but they, they couldn't muster up anything offensively. So those are seasons that come to mind that compare to this one, but honestly, this one takes the cake when you, when you couple the Rogers injury with every other injury, with the consistent penalties, with the lack of hope on offense, not seeing anything, it just really feels uh, as bad as we've ever felt. And you factor all those things in and you're like, well, how can they have success when you, when you combine all those things? And, and I get it. And it's, it would be hard, but, Let's all agree that no matter how hard it is, no matter how many backup offensive linemen you have, no, no matter who the quarterback is, it shouldn't look like this. And that's something I think we should all agree on. Like, it shouldn't be this hard to get first downs. It shouldn't be this hard to not shoot yourself in the foot and not get penalties. It shouldn't be this hard to get on the board. A, 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 a three-point lead for the other team, a 10-point lead for the other team shouldn't feel this insurmountable. And I think that's the frustrating part. And I'm sure that other people feel the same way as I do, where I alluded to Brandon Nichols getting that pick six. And was I excited? Sure. Did I think it gave him a fighting chance? Not really. Because I knew that even then at 10 to six, the game was still probably over because I just have no confidence in this offense. The team has had everything possible go wrong for them up until this point, but it still shouldn't look this bad. Tommy DeVito is finding his way into the end zone. Other team, every team is figuring out how to score points. Desmond Ritter, Aiden O'Connell, Sam Howell. I mean, all these teams, all these quarterbacks are figuring out ways to at least move the ball. 
and get them, themselves into the end zone. And the Jets just can't do it. They can't do it when it matters. They can't do it when it doesn't matter. They've scored since the bye week. They scored 13 points against the Giants, miraculously. Six points against the Chargers. 12 points against the Raiders. Six points against the Bills. And 13 against the, the Dolphins. Six of which were on a pick six. That's depressing. So what are the expectations for the rest of the season? Honestly, you can't really have any. I mean, I, I, I was one that after the Giants game, I really thought that that would be like the good luck charm that could kind of spurn them to getting themselves in position and maybe make a wild card, go nine and eight, 10 and seven. Boy, was I wrong. I mean, at this point with the offense looking the way that it does and the way that you've seen it with just no improvement and with honest regression, I don't know how you can pick them to win another game. I don't see any winnable games. I mean, every team has got to be like, we could put up 16 points on this defense. We could put up 14 points in this defense and that's going to be enough. And if we're aided by their offense, their, their terrible jets offense, and they give us a couple of turnovers or defensive touchdowns, we're, we're going to absolutely win this game. I mean, Atlanta, Washington, Miami, Houston, Cleveland, and the Patriots. I, I don't know if you see a, a winnable game on the rest of the Jets schedule. I really don't. And I'm not sure what the expectation should be. I, I really, I, I would, I'd find it very hard to pick them to win any game throughout the rest of the season, unless something miraculously changes, but I really don't see what it could be at this point. Um, you know, there may be a change in play callers. They, they may decide to do that. They may, you know, keep uh, obviously keep Hackett because he's Rogers boy. Um, but they may switch play calling to downing. I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know if it would help anything, but it, it sure as hell doesn't see like seem like uh, Robert Sala is going to change that. I think they do probably make a move to Simeon. I think if they were going to do it, they should have done it already. Um, I think moving Zach that quickly to number three after the Buffalo game is an indictment on everybody. And if he was so quick to move to number three, then why was he starting for so long? And why wasn't Simeon elevated before this? It makes no sense to me. Again, they're, everything that has possibly been able to go wrong for the Jets has, but the way that they have handled it, the way that Robert Sala, who I will defend and I still like, um, but you have to remain objective. The way that he has handled it is an issue. He has completely botched these situations. I mean, once they signed Simeon, he should have been the number two after a week. And I, I don't know why he wasn't. And, and if, if Zach was so quickly moved to number three, then why was he starting for so many games? I'm not saying that Zach was the only issue. Clearly he's not. Boyle came in, looked no better. But he definitely had a big part in the issue. The issue is it's, it's plentiful. The offensive line is bad. The play calling is bad. They have no weapons outside of Brees Hall and, and Garrett Wilson. And, you know, the quarterback play is bad. But, when you, again, when you break up the pie chart, Zach Wilson and quarterback play in general, but Zach Wilson, when he was starter, had a big chunk of that responsibility. So the question becomes kind of, you know, where they go from here. And, and I think – you know, I think Douglas and Sala are safe. I think Hackett's going to stick around because um, it's Aaron Rodgers' boy. And hopefully we can see that Aaron Rodgers may be the ultimate Band-Aid 
that this team needs. In regards to him coming back this season, I'm one where, you know, my brain says they should shut him down, not even let him come back because it's stupid and you don't want to risk further injury. It may be career threatening. Um, The other part of me is like, you know what? I just want to be excited about football again. And that's, I feel like that's kind of the part that's winning where if he has a chance to come back and he can maybe to prove that this offense can look um, salvageable and, and can look, uh, somewhat good, then I think I want to see it. And if the Jets can come back and play spoilers, you know, maybe for a couple of weeks and who knows, they finally get the Patriots monkey off their back and, and they can beat Cleveland and spoil their season and, you know, do something, make some noise like that. Then I think I'm for it. And I think that's the side of me that's winning, you know, forget the smart side. I just want to be able to to cheer for some touchdowns again and, and watch some, you know, decent offense again, um, selfishly, even though it won't matter, but that's just kind of where my head's at. But the other thing is, you know, I think Douglas and Sala and Hackett are safe. Uh, I think that's the right move. I think, you know, Joe and Connor brought up a good point on Badlands that really, you know, you could make a very, very good case for just completely cleaning house and you could sell Aaron Rodgers on doing that. And I don't think that would be the worst thing. I think this could be a um, desirable situation where, as Connor mentioned too, where you get to try to win now while also building for the future. And that rarely happens. And I think that would make it desirable. And really there's nothing when you break things down, there's nothing that suggests that Joe Douglas or Robert Sala really have what it takes to turn this thing around. I I think both of them have been C minuses at best. When you really look at things, Joe Douglas, 24 and 53, I think as a general manager, Robert Sala is 15 and 30. That is not good enough, not good enough at all. So when you look forward for what they go from here, because they're probably all sticking around, I think the good thing is that you don't have to touch the defense. I think you don't have to do anything on that side of the ball. You don't have to invest any free agents in there. You don't have to, um, invest any draft capital in there. I think you are good on the defensive side. You have young talent. You have Chuck Clark coming back. You have Quincy Williams, who has progressed into a all pro. The one worry you probably have is CJ Mosley, another year older, but I think CJ Mosley has looked incredible. And I think he is the heart and soul of that defense. You have Quinn and Williams under contract. The big question mark probably is um, Bryce Huff. And if you can re-sign him, and they've done themselves a disservice by not getting that done earlier in the season when it was right there to be had. Um, but Jermaine Johnson has taken the leap. You cut bait with Carl Lawson. I think you don't, you don't have to touch the defense. And you invest every asset, penny, draft pick, free agent move, everything you have into offensive line and wide receivers and a legitimate backup quarterback and a project quarterback in the draft. That's has to be the blueprint. They shouldn't make a single move on defense at all in the off season. I think it is exactly where it needs to be. Um, and we'll see where it goes, but that should be the blueprint. This defense is championship caliber and it is young and it is good. And you got pieces here to stay. And I don't even think you have to upgrade the safety position. I think Jordan Whitehead is fine. He can kind of be feast or famine, but I think he's fine. When you get Chuck Clark back, I think you're good. I think Ashton Davis has shown some improvement this year, shockingly. A little feather in the cap for Ashton. But I think every move you make needs to be improving the 
world's worst offense and potentially the worst offense. And it's definitely the worst jets offense I've seen. And maybe the worst offense in the history of the league. It is historically bad. So everything you do in the 24 off season should be improving this offense and making every move possible to build around Aaron Rodgers and the future quarterback of the New York jets. But you can be all in on winning in 24 while still building for the future to have sustained success beyond that. So that's my piece. Hopefully I gave you guys some, uh, some therapy. You listen to this, you commiserate with me. Like I said, misery loves company. Um, Zance and I'll be back probably I'm, I'm recording this uh, Tuesday. We'll be back probably Wednesday night uh, live to, to again, recap a little bit more of this and, and kind of look ahead to the rest of the season and to the, the Falcons game, which um there is the TOJ Badlands watch party, uh, tailgate party still going on. I won't be able to make it. I did consider it based on how the season was going, but like I, I just made my uh, my big point to not spend that kind of money to get down there from uh, from Syracuse. But um, so again, as always, uh, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, make sure you're tuning in and uh, subscribing to Badlands. Make sure you're listening to Will Parkinson and the TOJ pod. You got the other guys. You got Buck the Trend. Draft season is going to return at some point. Now we're turning our, unfortunately, we're turning our sights to that, but the guys at draft season will be back. So appreciate all you guys tuning in. Be on the lookout for Zance and I to, uh, to return tomorrow night and uh, appreciate all you guys. Thanks very much. We'll talk to you soon.